Thank you again to all of our sponsors. We're always excited to hear from them. Now I'm gonna welcome our handsome moderator, Jordan Pyle. Jordan is the founder of, I gotta say some stuff about you first. Jordan is the founder of Pyle Residential with Keller Williams Chicago Lincoln Park. He's a current YPN committee member. Jordan believes that success in anything is 90% dependent on your mindset, 10% on the actions you take on a day-to-day -day basis. Health and wellness have played an immeasurable role in his life. Look at him, he's in great shape. Including working out daily, eating healthy, drinking enough water, meditating, and practicing personal development and becoming self-aware. Give this guy a round of applause. All right. Thank you for the kind intro, Mo. And I uh, just want to first off thank all of you guys for coming out. I'm super excited on this topic. As Mo mentioned, I'm very passionate about you know mental and physical health. So I commend all of you for taking the time. I know it's mid-July or almost late July now, and you guys are taking the time to come out here, invest back into your life, invest back into your mental and physical health. So thank you guys for coming out. Um, it's going to be a great panel. We have some awesome rock stars here with us today. Um, so without further ado, um, well, first off, before I lead into um, introducing Gideon and Tiffany, um, obviously where most of us in this room are in a, in a lifestyle or in an industry that can be very taxing. So we all get caught up in you know running around all day, trying to build our careers, build our professional um, resumes, and I think oftentimes we overlook how important it is to focus on your mental and your physical health as well, so that you can perform at optimal uh, performance levels. So with that, we got some um, great people here. First off, I want to intro Gideon Akande. So Gideon is going to join us up here today in a second. He's a National Academy of Sports Medicine certified personal trainer. He's also a Golden Gloves champion boxer. Uh, I believe that's two times. Uh, former NCAA Division I running back and the national winner of the 2015 Men's Health Next Top Trainer competition. Yeah, give me a hand for that. I remember watching this guy back in 2015 and seeing that he was from Chicago. Started following him on Instagram. He's doing some awesome stuff, so he's going to have a lot of good nuggets that we can take out of this room today. Uh, he specializes also today in boot, uh, boot camp style fitness classes in Chicago, a lot of those being outdoors, I believe. We were talking about that before I came up here, um, where his workout experiences are uh, quickly becoming legendary. So, everyone, please put your hand together and welcome Gideon and Kyle. Of course. Cool, man. Yeah, either, either one works there. Next up, we got an, another awesome rock star. We have Tiffany Luis. Um, so Tiffany, for the past 16 years, she has immersed herself as a professional coach, a therapist, speaker, and licensed clinical social worker. Her holistic model for working with her clients and connecting with her audiences draws from uh, years of experience and thousands of hours coaching and counseling. Her passion in life's work is to support others in creating their healthiest, happiest, and most spiritually connected lives. So everyone, please welcome Tiffany Luis. So first off, just want to ex express gratitude to both of you for taking the time out here to you know, hit us with some knowledge and give us your expertise on how we can all perform at, like I said, even higher levels than we're doing today. So without further ado, I want to jump in so that I, uh, we can get as much out of this as possible. Uh, we're going to have a Q&A towards the end here. Uh, we'll have about 10 to 15 minutes um, at the end. So if you have questions, write them down and uh, we'll get back to those around uh, 
when we're wrapping this up. So first off, I want to chat a little bit about, I think it's so important, as I mentioned, um, and that Mo mentioned is about 90% of success and uh, feeling lively and, and having the energy that we need to go through our days on a daily basis. Um, we need to figure out how to get the mindset right. So first off, I want to talk about a little bit on mindset and how you guys prime yourself, both physically and mentally, when you start your day. So whether it be a morning routine, what type of habits are you guys doing so that you're waking up and you're fully prepared to go and take on, take on the day? Let's start with Tiffany. That's me. It's working. All right. Um, I actually have a good example of doing something really wrong this morning for my morning routine. So I have, and anybody else wake up and pick up your phone and start your day? Mm -hmm. Am I the only one? Oh, we got a lot of people who don't. Well, this morning I did, and before I know it, I was scrolling on Instagram. And I love these platforms, and I use these platforms in my work. I think they can be really valuable and helpful. But right now, there is no research that shows you will get on Instagram and be happier. It's just not there. Um, actually, our brain activates like we're on cocaine when we're in um, on social media. And there's just a lot of energy there that I think we haven't even realized like all the levels of the interaction that happens. So what I found for me is that no phone right in the morning is the best way to start my day. Um, I always say that if you take control of, sort of like if we think about food, like what's on your plate, there's less room for the garbage to get in. And no personal development coach, you know, anybody you follow is going to say, wait till like 7 p.m. and then get your mind right, right? Like we really talk about the morning as being a really great time to prime yourself before the day starts. So for me, I found that mornings are really critical. I like to wake up. For me, spirituality is a big practice. So I wake up, I give gratitude that my eyes even opened and that I have a roof over my head and food in my fridge. And then I focus on what I want to call in for the day. Um, Tony Robbins talked, I think we talked about this last year. I'm having some weird deja vu, but um, Tony Robbins talks about priming yourself and I really believe in this and it can be quick. Um, three things you're grateful for and really tap into the energy of it. Three things that you want to call in during the day and three things you want to kind of focus on. And I like that practice. And then I listen to a podcast that's going to fill me up rather than deplete me. So something that inspires me and I listen to that while I get ready for work and my day and my day is better. And today I woke up, scrolled, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, what's going on? I didn't start my day in my routine, so for me, I don't have that luxury. I kind of got to be at the top of my game if people want to talk to me. Um, so that's my morning practice. <clears throat> yeah, Gideon, if you want to kind of weigh in on that in a little bit of a different way, because I know you guys both have different professions. So what are you doing to uh, you know start the day off right? Yeah. So whenever a question is asked to me, I like to ask a question back. I don't know, I'm just weird like that. So I'm going to ask everybody here, how many of you have a full breakfast in the morning, every day? Okay. How many of you get a full workout in the morning every day? All right. So I'm looking at about 20% maybe for both of those answers. Who gets a workout at some point in the day? Who eats at some point in the day? <laughs> Everybody's hands should go up at that point. So my whole point is, depending on who you are, what your schedule is, and what your routine may be, it's going to differ. And you may have heard, hey, you want to have a full breakfast in the morning. And that's a great thing. You may have heard, hey, you want to make your bed in the morning. You want to do certain things in certain orders to establish a routine and also set yourself up for success. But if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. So I've always subscribed to the philosophy of finding a process 
that works for you and that's gonna give you that feeling of success because then it starts your day off in the right way. So if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is you brush your teeth and then you turn on the news and you watch that and you read a little bit of the paper and you get a cup of coffee and that's what has you feeling good and feeling like you've established some type of routine and some type of consistency, then do that. Because if I force you to eat breakfast in the morning and you feel queasy for the rest of the day, chances are it's just gonna set you back in terms of your mindset, the energy you have, and of course the energy you give. As realtors, it's all about the energy you give. You always have to be on, don't you? Your smile has to be there, and even though they're 30 minutes late, you have to pretend like it's no problem, right? <laughs> exactly. So establishing a routine that's gonna give you the best energy and allow you to give the best energy, I feel will make you the most successful. Great answers, great answers. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, I feel that a lot of people, it's kind of like a misconception with we talk about morning routines and oh I don't have time for that or you know I have to wake up I have to get to this appointment um, so making sure I, I think that a lot of people don't think that it can be quick they, get, they think it's this whole elaborate routine that you have to go to or go through so I know Tiffany mentioned a little bit about the Tony Robbins technique um, I wanted to ask Gideon what do you specifically do are you working out in the morning um, are, you, are you practicing meditation what are you doing specifically just some hacks that we can give the audience today what am I doing specifically? I'm sorry? No, I'm asking you. What no, am I doing? In order you, to, you follow my social media. Do you watch my stories in the morning? I do, I do not. No, okay, all right, I, well. I follow your post. <laughs> I don't check my phone until later in the day. Oh, oh, yeah. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. I like you, Jordan. I like you. <laughs> all right, so um, I'm giving him a hard time. He's a really great gentleman. Um, so in the morning, most of Monday through Friday, I either have a, my first client at 5.45 a.m., or at 6 a.m., which means I have to be up at five. I have zero desire to eat food at five in the morning. I have zero desire to do a lot of things at five in the morning. So the first thing I do is I jump in the shower, I get situated, I get ready, I conduct my sessions, because that's just what I do. And then around 10 o'clock, 10.30 is when I actually have my first break and I have a chance to kind of decompress, get breakfast in me, and then you know check my emails and kind of get into the flow and the routine of the day. So what I do, since I don't have a lot of time in the morning, is I actually use the night before to prepare. So what do I have on my calendar? Where do I need to be? At what time do I need to be there? What equipment do I need to bring with me? What clothing changes do I need to have? Because all of those things are important and are gonna allow me to keep my day stress-free. So some of you have early mornings as well. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know how your profession works in that sense. But understanding what you have ahead of you and planning is I feel one of the most important things. And we'll talk about this at some point, planning your workouts, planning what you're gonna eat throughout the course of the day, understanding how much time you're gonna spend in the car versus in your natural habitat, right? All of that is gonna dictate how you approach your day, what you need to prepare for, and will allow you to be successful with staying on your fitness journey, staying on your nutrition journey, and just keeping your mind clear of clutter. Yeah, I didn't answer your question at all. So my, <laughs> so what I do personally is plan the night before. Of course, there's gonna be lots of changes that happen throughout the course of the day. But anticipating those changes and knowing what your general routine is gonna be like, it will really help you out the most. So I know that, hey, if I have three or four different bags of snacks with me in my bag, I'm gonna be all right no matter what happens. So having snacks with me is one thing I do to plan for my day. Also, scheduling my workout and holding that fast is very important to me. So making sure that I block that off, just like I would block off time for a client, that's what I do the night before, the day before. 
to make sure that I keep that time and keep that time sacred because that's also very important to me. And of course, anything else that I need to do that's gonna keep things smooth and allow my schedule to work like clockwork because I have to get from one place to another or one conference call to another, one email to another, and just blocking out time, that's what helps me out the most. Knowing that I have an hour to address emails, knowing that I use a scheduler to conduct conference calls is what really sets me up for, for just attacking the day one by one. Very cool, so preparing, planning, and then executing. Absolutely. Awesome. So that's a good lead into, um, you talk a lot about making sure that you have, you're kind of putting out there what you want to accomplish that day and making sure that your habits and your preparation reflects what you're looking to achieve. So what I want to ask both of you, and Tiffany, if you want to answer this one, um, just in regards to mental wellness and how having a balanced life will help you perform at even higher levels. So how do you balance a healthy business life with your, with your personal life as well? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I think my personal life ends up being my business life. Um, my bandwidth, sorry, I'm not holding it close enough. Um, my bandwidth um, for holding space for my clients, um, for, for all of the work that I do, um, really is about what I pour into myself. I think for any of you, anyone ever burn out in this room, I've been there. And um, I, I think it was the greatest gift I ever went through um, because it taught me what was not serving me and it taught me the ways in which, and, and Gideon was just talking about this, my self-care is non-negotiable. If I wanna show up and value the things I value and um, function in my business the way that I need to. So much um, like Gideon, I schedule, and, and I also wanna just be clear, are there parents in the room? So I understand that I have a different type of availability for some of these self-care behaviors because I don't have kids yet, right? So I also want to acknowledge you, those of you who are parents, there's a lot of scheduling and prioritizing that also goes into this. So I think it, it's not impossible, but it's a, a, another degree of asking for help from partners or other support systems in order to find the time for this. Um, but I, to schedule my workouts is non-negotiable. I. So being a therapist and working in this field for 16 years and helping people heal from all sorts of mental health conditions and addictions, I really think that the first thing is our mental health. I think that all of the other issues that we are working to create change in our life, sort of, in my opinion, and the work that I've done, sort themselves out when we get right here and here. So I um, say I don't have the luxury of not being current with what is occurring for me. So I have my own support system, I have my own spiritual practices, um, I really feel like the best place to give is from a full cup, right? Anybody run on fumes for a while? It's I always say it's like charging your phone and using it at the same time. You don't get a full charge because you're, you're bringing down the battery, right? And so what I really focus on is filling up so that I can pour into the lives of others. Um, I And I agree, Gideon was talking about, you, your business is about relationships, right? And the energy that you bring to a client and whether or not they trust you and, and, and enjoy working with you, right? You might be really great at your job, but if you're an asshole, it's not gonna work out so well. Or if you're stressed out or if you're burned out, right? And so when we recognize that these investments are investments in our work, um, that that there is never a self-care practice that is going to be something you regret, usually. 
um, and, and really just creating the, the space to prioritize it. That means I also don't do stuff I used to do. I just wrote a post about this the other day, like saying no to events and saying no to things that I once would. Um, because I know that the trickle-down effect of that in three days, I travel a lot, I, I live in two places, there's a lot of things that I have to make allowances for so that I can run optimally. And at the end of the day, this is all about knowing yourself, right? This is about tuning in, where do I feel charged up? Where do I feel depleted? How can I do more of what plugs me into the outlet? How can I limit time with people and places? I always say, think about your people, places, and things. And are these things that nourish you? And so I've sort of gotten to a place in my life where I don't say yes to a whole lot of things that don't because I can't. And I can't put the things that I value first if I'm making space for those other things. So that was a very roundabout answer, but. No, that was great. It, it kind of goes off. Do you, you have something to add to that? Or? You just pass it. Okay. No, I mean, whenever you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So that prioritization, making sure that whatever your goals are, you know, your, your schedule is reflecting that. And that, again, you're preparing for that and putting time into your schedule for that. So Tiffany, you just mentioned something uh, regarding the fact that you're on the run all the time. A lot of us in this room, I'm assuming, are the same way. You know, we're in and out of appointments, very appointment-based schedules. Uh, we're traveling. We're, we're running around trying to fit everything in. So I just kind of want to transition into a little bit more of uh, the diet around staying mentally and physically healthy. Um, so Gideon, I want to start with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you how, do you, how do you recommend handling like healthy eating while you're attending events? So for example, when you're coming to something like this or you're, or you're networking or you're, or you're winding and dining your clients, um, how are you or what tips, I guess, would you give in terms of making sure that you're staying in your lane and that you're not overindulging in certain things? Okay, yep, great question. So just to give you guys a little bit of background, uh, before I got into the fitness profession, for four and a half years, I was in sales, sales and finance. So I managed the territory, I was working with brokers, I was always in my car, so I have a little bit of an understanding of what you may go through on a day-to-day -day basis. And it really goes back to planning and preparation, knowing where you're gonna be, knowing how long you're gonna be there, knowing what some of the obstacles are gonna be, and preparing for those are the most important things. So for instance, if I know I'm gonna be out of the office for three, four, five hours, try to find a way to pack a lunch. It's really easy to do, it's very simple to do, but oftentimes we overlook it or we don't plan for it. And as a result, what happens? We have to stop at whatever is most convenient, which is usually gonna be a fast food place probably has an arch on it, right? So if we can, try to plan in advance. And it really, there's some certain steps that you can take that really makes it so easy. And it's, when you think about it, it's like, that's so simple, why wouldn't I do it or why haven't I done it? Take a cooler, put it inside your vehicle. Throw some ice in there, you put a sandwich or two, put a water bottle or two, and there you go. You already have food for whenever you need to stop on the side of the road, in a parking lot, before a meeting, whenever you have time, that's there for you. Most of us, well, I don't know how your profession works, so let me speak out of line, but maybe you have territories that you're known for. Maybe you're a Bucktown realtor and you specialize in that area. Maybe you're in Hyde Park and you specialize in that area. Get familiar with where you go often and know where your healthy food options are and kind of mark that on your schedule, put that in the back of your mind. So this way, if you're ever caught in a bind, you can very easily stop by somewhere and pick a nutritious option. Also, if you have to stop at a Golden Arch or a Wendy's or wherever the place may be, try to do some research ahead of time and see what their healthier options are. Most places now are telling you how many calories are in the sandwich, are in, those, uh, in that drink, 
and find the non-sugary options, find the non-fat options, find the non-greasy fried options, and have those in the back of your mind in case you're forced to be in that position. Packing nuts, packing fruits, I mean the list goes on. Very simple to do, very easy to do, but you have to take that time to do it. So plan ahead of time, understand where your obstacles are gonna be, try to eat something light before you go into a situation like a lunch and learn, or if you're going to be whining and dining a client, picking a salad or a light option so that you don't feel as much of a need to grab something that won't serve you well. So planning in advance, anticipating obstacles, and making sure you're able to work around them. That's awesome. Thank you, Gideon, for that. Um, I wanted to, you're talking about picking the right choices when you're out doing these, um, you know, on these meetings or in these events. Um, there's a lot of information out there about certain types of diets. Um, there's a, I feel like it's like information overload. There's so much out there that a lot of people have a hard time really figuring out, you know, what's going to work for them or, you know, what they should be eating or what diet they should be on. There's what's the latest fad or the latest trend. So Tiffany, I think we've talked a little bit about this before. Um, there's a lot of diets like keto, Whole30, paleo, you know, there's vegans. Um, what would you say... I don't, if you do any of these things, or what would you recommend, you know, kind of as a, a standard that people should, should try to fit within, and then how that can affect them, how they show up with their energy? Yeah, so I, I have a little bit different, you know, maybe take on this coming from, from mental health and working with people who struggle with eating disorders, and, and really just, I would say I'm a behavior change expert, and when I am helping people change some of the hardest behaviors there are, what we're looking for is creating change that's sustainable, because otherwise, why, right? And I think you see this all the time. No offense if you're friends with any of these people, but like on The Biggest Loser, right? The truth is, is that type of motivation um, doesn't work very long term. And um, you see these people return to the discomfort and distress and behaviors, oftentimes, not all the time, following that show. So what I really believe in, and, and Gideon was talking about this earlier, it's like what is going to work for me and my body is not what's going to work for you and your body or any of you, right? And so I'm a big proponent of mindful eating, which is really about tuning in with what feels good. You know, as you were talking about planning for the day, I'm a, I'm a snacker. I am like a squirrel putting nuts in every part of my backpack and tr and fruit all day long. If I go four or five hours, I, a, a deep-seated panic <laughs> sets in inside and I, and I think it might be the end of the world. So um, I know that I have to eat regularly and I know that, you know, hangry is real. And if I get there, it's not gonna be great. So for me, you know, eating a little bit all throughout the day, I'm a professional grazer, that's great. But for other people, they feel really great about the ritual of meals, right? And so what I teach my clients is to tune in. How do you feel after the food? We get so into right or wrong, and I think that mindset is really creating a lot of sickness in our culture, to be honest, and um, it's, it's Treating food is not bad. Macaroni and cheese is not bad. I am also a believer in macaroni and cheese. But I don't feel that great when I eat it. So I do it a couple of times a year. My sister just had a baby. I made her a big ass pan and I put it in her fridge for her. And that's a treat, right? But if I ate that every day, I would want to take a nap every day. So I listen, you know, and I think that's really 
If we believe we have to subscribe to a certain plan in order to trust ourselves, we're in a tough spot, right? So when we, when we start to listen in and all of our answers are in here, believe me, you might do keto, but it would be from a place of, does this feel good? Does this feel sustainable? Do these foods nourish me? Do I feel high energy or do I feel obsessed and rigid and controlling? right? And so those are sometimes our key, right? And then we are using that in essence to leave ourselves. And whenever we're doing that, we're setting ourselves up for a whole host of problems, you know, that come from that. So I think it's less about following something because I don't think all the time that's sustainable. It's creating a lifestyle that works for you, that feels good, that feels manageable um, and feels sustainable. And then it's much easier to do it, right? You're not thinking about it. I eat what feels good. I eat things that are seasonal. I eat, think, think, I get on a kick and I wanna cook this. And people are always asking me, you know, like, what do you eat for abs? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I eat what I feel good about that day. And, and, when, and when we find ourselves in a pattern of really feeling like shit for a long time, then we have to check in and say, what am I doing? And with love and compassion, say, where is this coming from? Oh, I'm, I'm getting a slump at four and I'm stressed out and this is comforting me. And how can I learn to comfort and feel my feelings so that I'm not eating my feelings? And how can I pause so that I can take a beat and a breath and make the next choice? And I don't even want to say healthier, the next choice that feels better. That makes sense. That makes 100% sense to me. So, Gideon, I know we talked about that too, and I know she kind of touched on the same thing um, that we were discussing. But, and you also mentioned needing that that uh, three o'clock or that four o'clock, you know, that reboost of energy. So, I'm curious from Gideon, if you want to, as you're drinking water, how does water and staying hydrated come into play with all this? Because I'm the type where I feel, you know, if I'm feeling a little sluggish, okay, I'm gonna go grab another cup of coffee. I'm gonna swing through Starbucks. And how big of a role does water play in staying hydrated? And then what would you recommend for people in terms of how much they should be drinking and how can they kind of um, figure out if they're um, staying properly hydrated? Yep. Yep. Um, great question. I will answer that. And I also do want to piggyback a little bit on yep. what Tiffany just said in, in the last question. So with water, the, the general consensus is that you should be having eight glasses of eight ounces of water every day. But everyone's going to be completely different depending on what you're doing from an athletic standpoint, what your exercise regimen is. Also, what type of environment you may be in, if you're in your car, or if you're traveling often, um, if you're in a cooler environment versus if you're in a heated environment. All of that will play into how much water you should be consuming. But if you're having eight ounces, eight glasses of eight ounces of water a day, that is your minimum. So consider that a starting point. And having as much water as you can consume throughout the course of the day is just good practice anyway. Your body needs that in order for it to go through its normal metabolic process. So everything from your hair, your skin, and your nails, to your digestive system, to your respiratory system, all of that uses water. So it's the, I mean, you've heard it before, it's the source of life. So if you're not consuming water the way you should be, all of that will be affected. Your mood will be affected, your sleep will be affected, your sex life will be affected. All right, so we want to make sure that you're consuming water as often, as regularly as possible. <laughs> He's chugging it now, right? <laughs> Good job, young man. Tell her I'll send her the bill later. <laughs> All right, so, so drinking water is very, very important on, on many levels. 
Now, going back a little bit to the, the different diets, right? You, uh, we talked about Whole30, I think you said Paleo, um, Keto, etc. All of those are completely fine. And what I mean by completely fine is that they are fine to do. They are fine to gain awareness. They are fine to understand how your body is going to completely respond to different approaches. But to Tiffany's point, they're not the end all be all. I can't subscribe for you what I use for me. I eat burgers, I eat pizza, I eat ribs, I eat fries, and I love them. But I don't eat them every day. At the same time too, my body is used to burning carbohydrates at a faster rate than most people because of my athletic background and because I've been performing in specific ways from an exercise standpoint for such a long time, higher intensity stuff. So if you're just new to exercise and I subscribe for you the same diet that I have, I'm setting you up for, for failure. Additionally, we have different genes. We have different processes that our body goes through. Some of us have digestive issues. Some of us don't respond well to protein taken in a meat fashion. Some of us don't do well with carbohydrates in the form of pasta or have intolerances, you know, such as gluten and the list goes on, allergies, etc. So there's no end all be all. Earlier this year, my girlfriend and I, we went through the Whole30. Has anybody here done the Whole30? All right, so we have three, four people here. If you ask anybody about the Whole30, their responses are gonna be completely different. But what I enjoyed most about it is awareness. What happened was I would go to the grocery store, I would know what I could have, what I couldn't have, but more importantly, I had to read the nutrition label on everything and I got a very quick understanding of what is in everything and started to feel what everything does to me and how I don't like it and how certain things are okay but certain things are not and starting to pick and choose what was appropriate for me. So if you decide to do keto, if you decide to go vegan, if you decide to try Whole30, use it as a chance to gain awareness on what effects it will have on your body if you're having a foggy mood or if your attitude has changed, if you're sleeping better, if you have more energy, energy throughout the course of the day, and then apply that to something that would, be, that would be more sustainable and that you can hold long term. Because the same way that you gained the 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds, it took a while. So when you want to take it off, it's also going to take a little bit of time too. I know we want that microwave approach, right, where in 30 seconds it's right off there, but that's not realistic. So losing one to two pounds a day, excuse me, not a day, losing one to two pounds a week, <laughs> losing one to two pounds a week with good exercise and proper nutrition is reasonable. So don't expect everything to come off immediately or just through one approach. Try many. Thank you guys, both outstanding answers. And <clears throat> personally, what I've noticed is when I do try to have too rigid of a, of a diet or a, a workout schedule, then it leads to, as Tiffany mentioned, getting down on yourself and beating yourself up. And then that is when your mental health comes down or your mindset, and that's when you start making those bad choices. That's when you pull into the McDonald's between your showings or whatever your appointments are. So very important, I think, to um, find something that works for you and tailor it towards your lifestyle and kind of what you're looking to achieve and what your what your fitness and health style, or mental wellness goals are. Um, so <clears throat> I know we got probably about five or six minutes here. I wanna pivot into the actual <coughs> bread and butter of how you guys are working out, how you're staying fit, and um, some of the things that people can do in this room with busy lifestyle so that maybe they only have 20 minutes or maybe they do have an hour. How would you recommend they 
or what approach they take to their actual physical health? Yeah, so I feel like we're not being great because we're not giving you an actual answer. Because I don't <laughs> think there is an actual answer. I think you have your own. Um, so we, I was just talking, um, I, I was a competitive dancer, so I grew up with an extremely strenuous, you know, five to six hours a day for a decade of working out. And then I stopped that and my body was like, what? Oh, this is what happens when you're not working out that much and you eat what you were normally eating. Um, and so I really had to learn um, what balance was um, for me with physical fitness because for most of us um, as adults, you know, we have limited time. We have, we have, and I think this is one thing that I want to offer to you. You know, I find whenever we're struggling um, with moving towards a behavior, a, a good way to think about it is, is what is a story about the discomfort of the change, right? So if we want to start working out more. And we, we are telling ourselves a story that I will be embarrassed when I get back to the gym, I will be humiliated in this Zumba class, um, I will uh, never get there, or it's gonna be, I'm so exhausted, I'll be so tired. You know, it's just the story that's blocking us. And we all have them and we've all been there. And so when we can really identify those things that are you know, in the way, it allows us to create a different one. Simply put, it could be, I'm looking forward to feeling accomplished after. I'm looking forward to feeling more energized and I know that I might feel really tired or sore for a while, but I want that feeling of vitality. So, you know, identifying the stories that are blocking us really helps us figure out how to think to move us towards what we're looking to create. And another thing that I want to share is oftentimes we're not moving because values are competing, right? So, for 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 the parents in the room, you know, it might be like I'm not getting to the workout because my number one value is my family, and the way that I'm showing up for my family is by going to work to provide for this family, and then I'm going to go home and be with this family. And so it's very difficult for people when those are their operating values to feel like I'm going to work out because I'm not acting in alignment with this value. Does that make sense? So we have to find a way that then those values don't compete in order to find movement. And this can look like, I'm gonna take my kid with me on this walk. I'm gonna recognize that in this hour a day, I am actually parenting them in my absence because I am showing them by my example how to care for and love themselves, right? So I just wanna give you an example of how we can work around what's blocking us. And then to actually answer your question, for me, is, it comes full circle, do the thing that you like to do. Um, I am always switching up my workouts because I am doing what I enjoy. For me, if I am working out to create a certain physical outcome, that's not in alignment with my values. And I don't think that's sustainable. And I see many, many people who get the abs and get the ass lifted off their thighs and they're still miserable inside. Funny how that works. So I want to, I'm swearing a lot, I apologize. Um, I, I, so yes, so for me, my, I've worked on my values and my values are fun. My values are community. Um, and my values are uh, great music. <laughs> so those are the things I go to in my workouts. I take classes that I know the people and they know me and they're like, hi Tiffany. And then all of a sudden that point of connection pulls you in. I grew up dancing, so I will work out in the gym. I will go for runs if that's the only thing I can do. It is not my personal preference. So for me, um, I vibe up with other people. I will never work out as hard 
on my own as if I were in one of your boot camps. Never, like not a chance. Like it just isn't, right? We, we, we get that energy from other people. So for me, I schedule my workouts like it's an appointment with myself and I actually schedule them first before I schedule my clients. And I work those clients around it because it's actually better for them if I do it that way. And I do things that are fun. And so, I, and I also do things with people that I love. So I make my workouts my um, dates with friends. I do not go to happy hours. I go to happy hour spin and then I get a juice and then I feel a connection and I'm not competing against being social with my workout. I'm getting both at the same time. And I know we're getting close on time. Sorry, I yapped a lot. No, it's okay. And I think that's, that's huge. For me, too, it's, it's a lot of the community factor of it. It's finding those people, finding those classes that really inspire you, that hold you accountable. Um, and I think, for example, I am a member at Equinox. I just sign up for the first morning class every day because I know whether I get punished for it or not, I know if I don't show up, I'm going to feel bad about myself all day. So putting it in your calendar and making sure that you're honoring that as, a, as an actual appointment or a time block um, is definitely very important and finding people that you can share that passion with as well. So Gideon, really quick, because I know we talked a lot about your outdoor workouts and what you're specifically doing for the types of exercises you're, you're taking people through. If you could elaborate a little bit on that, what do you feel is the most bang for your buck or the best types of exercises people can be doing to achieve their results? Okay. Yep. So let me ask this question. I mean, because there's a million exercise formats that are out there. What's the most effective exercise format? Just, just throw something out there. What do you do all the time? Laughing sucks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was like borderline Tourette's. I like that. that was <laughs> I mean, think about it. There's, there's Pilates. There's yoga. There's CrossFit. There's high intensity interval training. There is boxing. There is, I mean, you name it. There are a million formats out there. But yes, it's the one that you're going to do. At the end of the day, your body understands stress. It doesn't understand what you're doing to cause the stress. And of course, that stress through muscle contraction, through elevated heart rate, etc., is going to burn calories. So if you find something that you enjoy, do that. All right, to Tiffany's point, it's about you having a good time doing it. So if you want to dance, dance your heart out. You know what I mean? If you want to lift heavy weights, Throw them all over the place, but do something that will allow you to consistently do it because that's going to allow you to get to that point of success. If I told you to do CrossFit and you hate weights, how long are you going to last doing that thing? Not very long at all. So with my outdoor boot camps, just with exercise in general, I see people from all fitness levels, from 16-year-olds who are basketball, high school basketball players to a 55-year-old mom who just had her hip replaced. So how do I put an exercise format and a workout together to challenge but also safely accommodate those two types of people? Modifications, all right? And what that essentially means is changes to a specific exercise to allow somebody to accomplish it, no matter what their fitness level may be. So what I challenge you all to do is use the resources that are available to you, Instagram, YouTube, Google, and find ways to move that number one, you enjoy, but number two, accommodate you and your level of fitness, no matter what that may be. Whether you're first starting out or you're a former collegiate athlete, there are ways to move your body that are gonna protect your joints, all right, that are gonna preserve you and allow you to get what you want out of exercise. So body weight is often a great place to start. Um, in 2016, I came out with a 
body weight training program through the men's health platform called Riptensity. If you were interested, you can go to riptensity.com. And essentially, it's body weight workouts for men and women all under 30 minutes and for all fitness levels. And in the background, we have somebody doing a base movement, an intermediate movement, and an advanced movement. Just to show the different options that you have when it comes to exercise. Everything does not have to be hardcore. All right, you don't have to do backflips in order for it to count as a workout. Find what you can do, do it often, and you'd be surprised at the results that your body gives you. Great, thank you guys so much, and very good answers. I wanna make sure that some of the audience here, if you guys have questions, we're giving you at least five or six minutes here. Um, so let's just dive right into that. Let's go Mike, I saw your hand first. Uh, thanks guys, first of all, for doing this. I think self-care is super important for realtors to practice. Um, but I know it's also important for me to put on my LinkedIn profile that I'm available 24 seven, 365, and also put on social media. I work Sundays and I start at 7 a.m. showings and stuff like that. Um, and there's that now famous uh, Harvard Business Review study where the perception of hard work led to more prestigious, um, led to promotions and more prestigious projects to work on and things like that. So. I guess my question is, uh, do you guys have any tips for how do we live in these two worlds where you know, we have to practice these self-care things? I know that uh, when I get that email that says, this is ridiculous, in all caps with three exclamation points, there's someone who's you know, maybe a little out of balance on some of these things. Um, how do we live in a world where that's important but where this perception seemingly is also at first, when you said I'm available 24 7, 365, I thought you were coming on to us. I didn't know what was happening there for a moment. I just wanted to put that out there. Um, so, <laughs> Tiffany is more suited and, and trained to answer that question, but I'm going to just speak from personal experience. Again, going back to the sales job that I did for four and a half years and then transitioning into being a trainer and teaching exercise was like, all right, you were making good money you have a mortgage, you have a car note, how are you gonna be able to keep up with your financial responsibilities while making a transition to a field that's not known for producing millionaires? And my approach was, first and foremost, get into the gym and live in the gym. So literally at five in the morning, I'd get to the club that I was working at, work until about 7, 7.30, then go to my sales job, work from 8, 8.30 to 6 p.m., then go back to the gym and work from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. when it closed. And I did that for about three or four months to make that transition so there was no lag in income and I can maintain the lifestyle that I wanted to live. At that point, I established myself as a, I established that routine as my work routine. And it became very, very hard to break out of. I was just churning and churning and churning, broke down several times in terms of just running myself dry. And it really affected a lot of my relationships uh, both my friendships and my personal relationships with family and significant others and to a point where I had to do a lot of self uh, a lot of introspective self-work and really find out what was important to me and how I can level and balance the two so again why that happened how that happened again that's more Tiffany's feel but I know that I'm much happier now that I have a balance between the two allotting time for personal growth allowing time for career development but um, understanding that if you do too much of one or the other, you will destroy yourself. And again, coming from someone who has to provide a lot of energy to other people, as do you, it, it doesn't lead down a, a great path at all. So it's a must that you do. It's not an option for you. You really have to, because even though you may feel strong now, there will be a point in time 
where you're gonna look back at the time that you should have been fostering relationships and you're gonna, you're gonna kick yourself for it. And I'll answer this really quickly. Um, just, I, I know that study you're speaking of and there's also the Harvard 75-year um, study which actually shows that long-term health and wellness um, is not related to success, and it's all about your relationships. So, um, and it's, it's one of the most amazing studies. There's nothing of its kind, nothing for, for that long of a period, and they took men from the you know, lower socioeconomic status areas of Boston and from the university. They followed them for 75 years. They followed all of their relationships, and success had zero to do if the janitor, with happiness, if the janitor had healthier relationships, he had greater well-being. So I think your, your question is so important because we live in this hustle mentality and we are taught to lead with um, how hard we're working and I really believe that the alternative to hustle is flow. And you think about it, when you're in flow, it doesn't mean you're not working. It means that you are accessing some uh, power sometimes greater than yourself. You are taking care of yourself so you have energy to move forward. And you are, n I really truly believe that longevity beats out intensity every day, all day, long term, right? And so there, now, there are seasons of hard work Right? And I think that's the thing to know the difference between. I have worked really hard and been freaking depleted. And I have worked really hard and been tired and worn out because I worked hard. There's a difference, right? Between depletion and tired from showing up to life and doing, I mean, I have no idea how I got through grad school and an internship and a therapy job. I look back and like, by the grace of God, there go I. Um, like, seriously. So I, I think it's learning. Maybe it's a season of showing up a little bit more. than. But then are you planning for your season of peace to follow? And at what point can you, can you tolerate maybe not being number one or two on that list in order to have more peace of mind? I work with some of the most successful people in this city who have it all. And if they don't have it based on a very solid foundation of, of relationships and things that matter to them, you know, none of that shit matters whatsoever. So I think it's, it's drive and determination and goals that you want. Are, nothing is wrong with that. That, that. We're in a room full of high performers. It's just, are you letting those values drive you and where is that car going? And have you talked to enough people in your field to get perspective on this? Great answer, great answer. And sorry guys, I know a few yeah. of you guys had, we can do one more? All right, we have one sorry, more, room fine. for one more question. This gentleman right here. Uh, I'm almost had his hand up. No, 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 Okay. Um, thank you, Mole, your gentleman, uh, and thank all of you guys. Um, we're all probably pretty positive people, but that's why we're here. No matter how well you treat yourself and how happy you are because of the lifestyle you lead, it's a lot of times it's some externalities, like the negative energy coming from outside. So what strategies do you guys employ, what works best for you as far as controlling your peace of mind without letting things affect you from, from outside? Love that question. I'll answer really quick so you can get to your answer on it. Um, so I'm a highly sensitive person, I'm an empath. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that language or term. A lot of people, people are. So a lot of people in this room likely are. And that means that I feel people's energy in a weird, like, 
sixth sense sort of way. Um, and it's very, very helpful for my work, but if I don't manage my energy, it can be really, really depleting. Um, so I do a lot of energy work around this, which sounds very woo-woo, um, but it works very well. So if I am picking up, I, I, have, I felt it last night. I was at dinner and there was this table next to me and this guy was getting really wasted and I could feel some energy from the table and all of a sudden I was like, what is that? It wasn't my energy. So learning how to have boundaries in terms of your space. And it can be as simple as my thought, and I'm really going off here, and some of you are like, who is this lady talking about a colored energy bubble? But I think about um, myself being sort of protected by that. And I send out love to this person, and, and, I, and I bless them, but I really take a lot of care in what I'm taking responsibility for. I also am very careful about who I surround myself with. So it's sort of like that email in all caps, like, one, it's in your inbox, and before you know it, you're like, fuck this guy, and you know, like, in that place, it's, it's like, take a moment, take a breath, recognize this is not me, and, and set that, like, think about the boundary between that energy, lots of times, even just movements, like snapping your fingers, clapping your hands, it does something to our brain to sort of shift the energy, shake your, shake your shoulders, put your shoulders back, there's a very different energy state between here and here, it's amazing, um, and, step into your energy field and respond from that place. So I, I teach a lot of this and I think it's really important. I think we're affected. I mean, it's amazing. You're feeling my heartbeat over here. I don't do that far, but. Yeah, yeah. You know, like that's how connected we are. We're way more connected than we even know. So learning how to, when we're feeling stuff, tune into it, release it, you know, manage our own energy. I think it's a really big part of feeling vital and healthy. Absolutely agree with everything she just said. Additionally, when I feel like somebody's stealing my energy, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'll be teaching a class and you explain it, you demonstrate it, you explain it again and demonstrate it, and then when you're getting ready to go, the person says, so what do we have next? And I'm like, you've gotta be kidding me. Um, so, you know, and I'm sure you've done that with clients. You've explained what it is and what the rate's gonna be and when you can move in and they just don't get it. They lost that email, they didn't fill out that form. And it's like, I'm doing a good job for you. You gotta help me out, you gotta meet me halfway. I'm assuming you are all realtors because you love your job and because you love the people that you work with. And oftentimes I have to realize myself, realize and remind myself in that moment of frustration that hey, Gideon, you're doing something you love. Relax, chill out, calm down. That's their problem. We'll get around to it. And you know, I smile to myself. I explain the exercise again, I demonstrate it once more, and then life goes on. Also, because that can happen so many times throughout the course of a day, course of the week, course of the month, course of the year, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, the relationships outside of your career. Because while people are maybe stealing, and, and you, not necessarily stealing, but you have to give a lot with what you do, but you need to be filled back up. And that comes from your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids, your nephew, your best friend, whoever it is. So having that separation of career and personal life, even though they can mix in, you'll become friends with a lot of people that you've done business with and you are around a lot, and that's completely fine. But there's also a line that sometimes you just need to set. And you'll find that you have more people who are more aligned with your personal life and people that are still friends but more aligned with your career side. And understanding that you have to fill both cups so that you can give out of both cups is, is very important. 
another great answer. So that's all the time we have for the day, guys. Uh, thank them again, Gideon and Tiffany.